Orizadi and I were standing on the sideline one time and we were talking and they put the camera in behind us and were picking us up. But the same thing we were talking about, I told him, I said, John, and this was, you know, maybe two thirds of the way through the season, but look at this, the people are all up and just going uh, crazy. And uh, I said, this, it doesn't ever get better than this. I don't care what level uh, or what sport or what school you're at. This is as good as it gets. And uh, everybody going crazy. Yeah, I'm it might have been uh, uh, when we intercepted a pitch out on about the last play of the game against, I think it was Sac State. <laughs> and um, we ran it in for a touchdown and the game was over. Well, happy now for an episode I've been looking forward to for quite some time. It's Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Champions, and our podcast guest today, none other than the head coach of that team, Joe Glenn. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. This is a thrill for me as a guy that grew up in Missoula. I was about 14 or 15 years old when you were the head coach at Montana, and it was always so fun for me to follow your teams, and uh, that love of football has carried me now into my career, so I have to thank you first and foremost, but thanks so much for spending some time with us. <laughs> us and how you do it well you bet uh th- you're welcome i'm glad to spend some time with you and share wonderful memories regarding our team and and i know my son casey glenn and you have a friendship and uh have been buddies for a while so glad to help you out if we can and i'm glad to talk that team up any chance i get reunion was fabulous and being around the guys and some of the coaches that were on the staff and it just was a really a kodak moment in our lives and we re-entered that moment a little bit at the reunion, and uh, it's so special. I got to tell you, the the staff the, in the athletic department just did a fabulous job of entertaining uh, the old timers and making them feel welcome and special. And um, they just really threw out the dog, and uh, it was a great time was had by all. Only thing. That well, we'll start there. Then we'll start with the here and now first. Before we get in a little bit more of what this last, uh, I guess, a couple weekends ago now was like for you and all your former players. <laughs> yeah. Where's Joe Glad at in the world? What What have you been doing these last couple years? Where are you making your home these days? Uh, we, Michelle and I live in Eagle, Idaho. It's a suburb of Boise, and uh, we are kind of calling this home for right now. We wanted to be around our grandchildren, and we got two in Lincoln and two here in Eagle. And uh, they're playing, uh, Reagan Glenn is playing volleyball for uh, Bishop Kelly and uh, was on the JV team this year. And they won uh, the district. <laughs> and Donovan Joseph Glenn is playing uh, tackle football for his first season. He's been a couple years playing uh, flag football. But uh, his dad, Casey Glenn, is a former football coach at Oklahoma and uh, Wyoming, uh, South Dakota, and he coached the offensive line so he could get his hands on his son in fifth grade. <laughs> so, but they won. Uh, they won every doggone game until the last one. And but I think they ended up seven and one. And the head coach, I might add, is one of our favorites. That was, <laughs> he was on that team and couldn't be it. But uh, we are just fabulously happy that we're here and um, able to be a part of our family's life. And just really fortunate. Well, nothing better than chasing grandkids around. There's That's a sure thing for sure. Well, tell us about a couple weekends ago. It's the 20th anniversary celebration for the 2001 National Champions, and that must have been a crazy full circle moment for you, seeing all your players now as guys in their early 40s with their own families. But what, what did you think? I mean, what, what was the experience like coming back to Missoula, being celebrated like that, and also meeting up with a whole bunch of guys you had a huge influence on? Yeah, Coulter, it was just, just fabulous. I got to tell you, now it's an old expression, but it was almost like uh, you're drinking out of a fire hydrant. 
<laughs> I mean, here's some of the most special athletes you ever had a chance to coach that uh, won the national championship and um, brought the chipper home. And to see them as, you know, fathers now and husbands, and they're all just as successful in that as they were in football. I get it. They're just good, good people. I don't even how to really tell you how wonderful it was. Just everybody was so glad to see each other, and they had a really great bond uh, as student athletes. And and I have to I have to say this that I coached 42 years. That's the most by far the most as I said it unselfish team that uh, I had ever been a part of. I I mean everybody wants to score touchdowns and everybody wants to kick a field goal and everybody wants to complete a pass or catch one and. They didn't care, and uh, be real honest with you, one of the major strengths of that team was from tight end to tight end, and even put the fullbacks in there. We had guys that were big and strong uh, up front. You know, we can even get into the height and weight of some of those guys maybe in this call just to make people realize how we managed the line of scrimmage, not just in the championship game, which was special, but also throughout the season. And um, so it was in Johansi Humphrey was all American. However, Johansi, you never heard him say, I want the ball. I want the, somebody else throw me the ball or, you know, I'm open. I'm open. You guys, none of that going on. And of course we were under the leadership of uh, John Edwards, the quarterback, uh, who now practices law in Billings and John, he still to this day could care less. <laughs> who scores the touchdown or who caught it or who threw it. He just wanted to win, as did almost every single player on the team. Uh, you know, that old deal about credit, you know, it just, they were so humble. And, and I will tell you, it's the best offensive line I ever had. Uh, then you throw in a couple fullbacks that could be a part of that front and they would block the end wheel seal or the backside on some of our zone plays that we ran. And so Johansi had a great chance to cut it back uh, if they really played the, the front side hard and our fullbacks blocked like offensive linemen. But I, and I'll share this with you also. <laughs> oh, maybe a year or so later, I, I forget where I was, and I ran into Dickie, uh, David Dickinson, and uh, he's pretty serious, pretty talking most of the time to me anyway. But he, he said, well, um, I didn't recognize that offense you were running, but it says you won the trophy, I guess, so congratulations. <laughs> and, you know, Dickie's been a passer and a thrower uh, ever since he could probably walk, but out of Great Falls and on to the CFL. He's probably the greatest quarterback they've ever had play up there. But um, I said, Dickie, you got to look at our guys we have from tight end to tight end, a couple fullbacks that, that could just – busted and blocking and um they couldn't stop it in fact i i'll share this with you too that bill cockhill was the, calling the plays at the time pretty simple you know you got a check with me at the line of scrimmage but we'd go twins to the right to the wide side of the field tight ends in on the back side two running backs in the backfield um when we got to the line of scrimmage uh Furman, their middle linebacker was first team all-american it had just been released um uh, uh, the week of the game. However, um, when we went to the line of scrimmage, we were going to count the box and see how many how many of their players they put in the box. And if they, which a lot of people do and will do again, <laughs> but they 
they would cheat their outside linebacker out toward the twins. We had two receivers out there, Johansi Humphrey and Owen. We would that guy would cheat out closer to the twins. We'd run uh, Johansi on a, a zone play, and yet we still had a fullback in the backfield blocking blocking a part of the front. But if they would cheat that guy down in there a little bit and get to the box where he can help out on well. Now we'd have to block it with seven guys, but they never did. And they had an all-American middle linebacker. They thought they could stop our running game with just man-to-man, man up, and they couldn't do it. And we just continued to pound away. It wasn't 70 and 60 and 25, 30. It was just a steady diet, a steady drumbeat of four, five, five, four, three, seven, four, five, four, and but we never did have to throw bubble screen to the twins, which is a snap and just throw it right out there because they kept their defense guarding those two guys out there with two guys. And it, it really gave us a chance to just man up. I was shocked that they didn't bring uh, a guy from that twin set to the wide side of the field, bring him down in and take their chances throwing the ball out there and rallying and tackling the quick screen. But they never did, really. They they thought they could handle it with their middle linebacker and the, the other guys they had. They had a hat for a hat, but it was uh, they didn't score until the last play of the game, which was a fluke. It was one of them jump balls, and the ball got – everybody came down and landed on the ground except one guy, and he did a circus act catch and ran it in. And I remember walking off the field with Coach Mike Bresky. <laughs> he said, damn, what's wrong? You know, we gave up a shutout on the last play of the game. I said, hey, Mike, come here a second. I said, well, he said, what? I said, we just won the national championship, dude. Come on. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so you got to, yeah, you know, you're competing right down to the end. But then he started laughing and it was a grand celebration from that point on. Well, there's so much there I want to get to, but we'll start with the offensive front because I do think that's one of the defining uh, strengths of that team. I mean, as somebody that studied the history of the Big Sky, I would say that's the one of, if not the best offensive lines the league's ever had. I mean, you mentioned the size of the guys. I never forget the first time I met John Skinner. He's about six eight, three ten, and uh, Thatcher Slay. I mean, he was like a he was like the personification of a Grizzly playing for the Grizzlies, and those guys were just so You're mean and so tough. Right. But did you know? Did you see that sort of being a strength of your team uh, coming into that? 2001 season yes absolutely um and yet i knew montana's hess and their secret uh had been the passing game and so we were ready to throw the football uh, all over the field and we had good receivers in this game we we had up until this game we had run the ball with so much success that we wanted to see if we were good enough uh to push them around up front and if they were going to give us a even set of Hat for hat, helmet for helmet. We're going to see how far we could take the running game. And if they just tried to cheat that inside player on the twins, he would have thrown the ball a lot or every down if he'd have walked into the box. But he really never did become fit into that box. And, and Johansi just took off and everybody blocked. And so, and then I got to tell you, I mean, I'm talking offense. We kept our defense off the field. You know, that's when I was growing up, we used to say, well, um, a good running game, uh, you'll control the clock, you'll control the ball, no interceptions, you know, all the good things. That, but to be very honest with you, it, it's kind of an old school thought, but it, we, we were in unison 
uh, with the offensive staff uh, more than anybody. Chad Germer, the offensive line coach, <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> and uh, uh, all the tight end coach, Ron Wisniewski, at the time, um, just he had two tight ends that, that could block anybody, and they could play tight end or fullback, so you could intermix them. But uh, it just it just was a good game plan, and maybe wasn't uh, the greatest most exciting game for people that love to pass and pass and pass, but uh, it was the best way for us to utilize our big offensive line and how tough they were and the fullbacks that fit into that running game. And then, and then also you ice the ball on them. They can't, they can't really do much to you when their offense is on the pine. So um, it it was a good game and and a good practice plan or game plan by our offensive coaches and pretty sure that Furman thought they could stop us with the seven guys and they couldn't do it consistently. So, um, you know, it it was just, it played out just about like that. And our defense threw it shut out and we protected the ball. We didn't hardly have a turnover other than I think that maybe the last, I don't have the stats in my hand, but I don't think we fumbled the ball and I don't think we had, we might've had one interception. Uh, And, uh, but other than that, we played pretty much mistake-free football and did it the old school way. Well, we, I want to come back to some of these memories from that exact season, but I want to ask you, Coach, first about your path to Montana and then your first stint at Montana, because you were back at, at Montana when Larry Donovan was the head coach and uh, sort of had an influence on what was the foundation that was laid, because I think a lot of modern Grizz fans, they forget that Montana had a hard time competing in the Big Sky Conference for most of the 60s and 70s. They had a couple great years in the late 60s, but all through the 70s, it was Sonny Holland's Bobcats that were dominating the league, Boise State, Idaho, and uh, but you guys sort of had the breakthrough there in the early 80s, and I've become good friends with Marty Morningweg now. I know he was a quarterback, and he loves telling those stories, as does Brian Salona, another good <laughs> friend of ours here at ESPN Missoula. Uh, but just tell us about your early time in Montana. What did you learn about the program? What was that like in the early 80s, sort of building the program from uh, the ground up like you guys were? Well, I, I, I'll tell you one thing right now. Um, the day I was to be picked up by Coach Larry Donovan, and we were going to drive out to Montana together. It was a winter storm from all the way from Nebraska to Montana. And so we couldn't go very fast. And so it, I think it turned it into be about a three-day grind. It gave us a chance a lot to talk about what kind of offense Montana would run. Just a lot of things that I had played for Larry Donovan. Um, I wasn't a defensive player, and he was a defensive coordinator at South Dakota, but he had recruited me out of Lincoln Pius the 10th High School. Um, I'd gone to the University of South Dakota and played four years, and I was such a great quarterback that moved me to wide receiver my senior year. <laughs> so, but uh, it just gave us a long time to massage uh, what we would what we would be doing, and uh, pretty fun trip. We were in a uh, a Mercury convertible that wasn't built for the, the roads in Montana. So we I'm sure there were times it seemed like around Butte right in there we were going about thirty five and sliding and um it was quite a trip. But um then when we got in here we saw we had you know some definitely good players and we did get lucky in recruiting Marty Morningwig. He was a, a true freshman uh, the year he came in and we made a little noise but the next year um we won a piece of the conference championship, and uh, and on the tiebreaker, uh, go back to head to head, we had won, and uh, so the Big Sky Championship trophy from 
1970 is uh, sitting in the field house right now. And um, and then we continued to play some pretty good football, but we just couldn't stay on that edge. And we lost a little momentum, couldn't quite pick it back up, but we were adding to the stadium. We, we were just starting to build the new stadium and we were playing out at the old uh, Dorn Blazer and uh, we just didn't get transitioned. And they chose a, uh, a, a new coach that was successful. Don Reed came in and but Don Reed got handed up a, a new stadium, which, you know, isn't what it wasn't what it is now, but it was a start in uh, to move on to campus from Dorn Blazer. And, and I think anybody that has been to a game at the, the new stadium, it just one of probably the greatest things ever happened to uh, Missoula as far as uh, bringing a quality product to the University of Montana, to Missoula. To, and I, I've got to think, you know, maybe with some concerts of Paul McCartney or somebody like that, they would probably have as close as you can get at our level to a sellout every weekend. And so I think that helped in recruiting. And, and as the baton was passed along, Don handed it to um, Mick Delaney or Dennehy, excuse me, I think. Then I, I came for four years and maybe it wasn't even four years, two or three years probably. Three but, years, yeah, 2000, um, 99, two, or no, 2000, 2001, 2002. Right. Um, anyway, it just, it was rolling, and, and when we got done, uh, the next coach come in, picked it up, and they just keep handing it forward, and uh, and some really good coaches come through there and a lot of good football players, and um, I think a lot of it's possible because of the fact that they could see that the football program meant something to the people at the University of Montana, and we were very fortunate that we had a hardworking man like Larry Donovan, who I know spent many hours with the Dennis and his wife as far as um, getting them to help with the stadium project. Then their sons who used to come to our football camps when the the young guys were growing up in the family, that those guys continued on where their parents left off. And um, now you have so many places around the stadium with uh, the their name on it to Washington Grizzly Stadium with Dennis and Phyllis and Kyle and Kevin and uh, the whole family was very very wonderfully giving uh, to the University of Montana and that stadium is uh, it's hard to beat. I, people say well it's the best stadium in Division One AA. I, I fight that. It's best stadium in college football is pound for pound. People are right down on top of you. You're right on top of the game. There's no track going around you're really close i think you can hear the audibles from there uh you can hear uh some of the play talking uh in the line going back and forth <laughs> and it is you're 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 just so close and and uh so intimate with the game there that uh people have been treated really really well and uh harley lewis had something to do with all that uh but it would have never happened in my opinion uh, without Larry Donovan, the head football coach in 1980 um, through, I think, 86. It is worth mentioning because those guys, Larry Donovan, Harley Lewis, absolutely uh, were so influential in Montana football, no doubt. Uh, but, Coach, when you were first coming back to Montana after your time at Northern Colorado, it was obviously a, such a good job at that moment because they had had so much recent success. But what did you think of the job, and what was it like taking over a program where the expectation really was, national championship or bust? 
wasn't really too worried about busting. Um, right. I knew what it was like to have a chance to recruit to that facility. Um, and the people had, through Don and Bobby Houck and uh, Mick Dennehy, those guys all laid down more uh, more work on the ground for adding on to the stadium and for um, and coaching getting great coaches around so they could keep on winning. And, um, and I think just about everybody that's carried the baton there has, has had pretty good success as far as winning and losing, especially at home. And it's, it's a recruiting gym because you're going to get guys that, um, that love the crowd. You're going to get guys that love the stadium, love guys that come down that tunnel. And then when you hit the light at the end of the tunnel, there it goes into a crowd of, I don't know, 30,000, somewhere right around in there. And, and then bang, that lights up, and then all of just all the pomp and ceremony that we have before every game—it's just uh, incredible. That's uh, it's a good story for sure. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. Well, Coach, I want to ask you about a couple different things from that special season, Uh, more just about the players, because I know that we talked about the offensive line, but one thing I've learned in this podcast series we're doing is I I loved Johansson Humphrey and I loved Atu Molden growing up. I had no idea that both those guys initially played defense at Montana. So uh, just just talk to us about those guys, because it seems like a pretty good circumstance that they were able to move to the offensive side of the ball and become two of the great playmakers in Grizz history. You're, You're not kidding. And... I didn't know that they were on the defensive side of the ball, so it didn't make any difference to me. This is, we had this is what we were handed. But I would tell you, Johansi is not the fastest guy that um, ever carried the ball, uh, nor was Rocky Cleaver, who ended up, I think, being the top rusher at Montana. And we we inherited Rocky from the previous staff, and he was all everything and played tight end for the Jets and did a great job. But we we just had the momentum. And um, when you get good athletes and quality people, and, you know, I could go right down the line and name every one of them, but it just, uh, we didn't have a person that didn't buy in. Sometime, uh, Johansi Humphrey had a dog. I'm maybe the only one that, not Johansi, Atu had a dog. Yeah, I remember this. (laughs) Yeah, everywhere Atu went. I was getting tired (laughs) calling the campus police for the that's out to his dog. I was like, hey, he can't take it in there and he can't bring it in the field out. Can't bring it in the locker room. Atu <laughs> <laughs> and I got what come on, Atu. Get in the game here a little bit. Uh he could get off going on his own deal, but that kid played his heart out his senior year and no doubt he made play after play when he was asked. Um and very special player and um but we i mean right down the line we you can name any guy on there that that his number was picked and and they all showed up they all made the play that they had to and john edwards got hurt for a couple games enter our quarterback that transferred in from wyoming a montana kid and uh took the ball and gave us two more wins in mid-season that uh so and it's a great falls guy and uh but we 
it's just like when we needed it, somebody would step up. Um, Vince Hunchberger. I mean, you can't you can't possibly know all the plays that he made. Andy Pedic. I'm I'm talking about more than just you know, but just just so fabulous, just so wonderful to um, when your number came up and you got a chance to make a play, you did it. And uh, it was just so good to see. And it is, uh, Orizadi and I were standing on the sideline one time and we were talking and they put the camera in behind us and were picking us up. But the same thing we were talking about, I told him, I said, John, and this was, you know, maybe two thirds of the way through the season, but look at this, the people were all up and just going uh, crazy. And uh, I said, this, it doesn't ever get better than this. I don't care what level. Uh, or what sport or what school you're at, this is as good as it gets. And uh, everybody's going crazy. I can't even, it might have been uh, uh, when we intercepted a pitch out on about the last play of the game against, I think it was Sac State. <laughs> and um, we ran it in for a touchdown and the game was over. We were beat, but just, you know, magic. That's magic. And you just believed until the final gun that we're going to find a way to win if we were in scoring position and uh and i would say too that hawaii won uh and they had their way with us pretty good in the first half but we came back really tough on those guys and made a run at them and uh but from that point on i believe we won 14 in a row it's just maybe hawaii did us a favor (laughs) but uh we responded when we had to and uh, every every way, even our backup quarterback, uh, when he went in there, he he knew what he had to do, and he jumped right in there and became the winning pitcher in two games and a uh, big part of his championship right there. So everybody did their job, and I thought the coaches, everybody did their job and did the right things, were prepared right, and knew what we were best at, and fun year coaching. It seems like just yesterday and a lifetime ago that the University of Montana last claimed a football national championship. 20 years ago, the Grizz rolled to their second national title in seven years behind a Montana-made roster featuring some of the most memorable figures in the history of the Grizz. While much has changed with the Montana program and much has changed about Missoula, the one thing that hasn't changed is the trust folks around Montana can have in First Security Bank. First Security Bank has long been one of the fiercest supporters of the University of Montana and its awesome sports teams. And First Security Bank is proud to support Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of Montana's 2001 National Champions, a 20-part podcast series with interviews and memories from that unforgettable run by the Grizz two decades ago. First Security Bank, proud supporters, ESPN Missoula and the Grizz Greats podcast series. Two more things for you, Coach. First of all, is there like a defining sure. memory for you from that season, like a moment in time, or uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure that the post game celebration has got to be one of them. But I mean, what what do you think of when you first think of that team each time you remember it? Absolutely, the, the kind of in short, the whole everything I've just said. We were we were just on a mission, and I, I didn't see anybody to speak of, you know, raising their number on a stick to say, hey, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing. Sure, we had great players that were making great plays, and but um, for the most part, and almost 100%, you would see guys that pile on top of these guys and pile on top of that guy, and uh, defense make great plays and carry Vinny off the field, or you know anybody else. You down to just played at the highest level uh, you can possibly play at. All business, practiced hard, 
knew what they had to do, uh, and then just compete uh, like crazy on Saturday. And that's and then the tougher it got, the more they, they seemed to find and dig down and had the ability to rise up when they had to. I got to tell you, I'm probably more proud of that team, not just because of the trophy. What they showed as competitors and uh, as team leaders, uh, each one led the team in their own in their own way at their own position and uh lots of leadership and lots of sharp guys and not a lot of uh, characters that walk into their song of their own beat their own song you know it's everybody was bought into it um off the field i gotta tell you uh, i know what it's like to be a college football player and we'd always would find some place to get around the corner and share the game with each other you know we're often stupid and just uh but, you know, to have little Demitas and uh, never gotten any trouble. When I got there, somebody said, hey, they're downtown fighting. There's too many fights. Uh, I think we have one fight. It was all, all year. So got that fixed up. <laughs> I don't know who was fighting. But it was, uh, they held his name down because I told him, you're going to be fighting or you're going to be walking the chalk line down the middle of the interstate, man. You got that I-90 look. <laughs> so, uh, no, nah, they just, they were on a mission sure were and um, I was very very fortunate uh, to walk in there and to get the job um, and then to have the players to to execute like they did and offense defense special teams just somebody I think it was Sac State about (laughs) mid-season we kicked off and they're they're running it out and then they kind of bounce it over to in front of their bench and it looks like they're going to get a lane go the distance and we got about one guy left and it was our kicker (laughs) he hit this kid and planed him out at about five feet (laughs) and was right in front of their coaches (laughs) and he dropped straight down and it looked like he had rigor mortis on the football (laughs) all of a sudden these coaches were laughing so hard and pointing at him. <laughs> it, it was really hilarious. Like, you know, you thought like, what happened? What, 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 they were all revved up because this guy did the old plane out at about five feet and landed on his back. And it was the kicker that did it to him. And they said, you can't let the kicker do that to you. <laughs> but it was just fun, fun, fun. Well, Coach, last thing for you then. I think that the thing that is most striking to me about that team, I mean, all the talent, all the awesome uh, selflessness like you talk about and the continuity chemistry, but I think that the legend of that team has been accentuated even more because I think at the moment that that national championship was won, no one thought that would be the last national championship at Montana in 20 years, but now here we are 20 years later. So have you considered that? And and to me, it seems like that makes it even more special, or not more special, but it it makes it such a, a moment in time accomplishment. And I I think it reminds everybody around the state of Montana just how hard it is to win a national title. It's, there's no question. I've been at a couple schools that, at Northern Colorado. Uh, we won back-to-back national championships, and it takes a bunch of guys and a bunch of coaches and a bunch of fans. Everybody's got to do their part. And at both schools, uh, more so at Montana because they knew how to get you know the rev going, but um, we had people at Northern Colorado that build a new stadium right in the middle of all that, which, you know, again, you got, if it's important to the, uh, to the people in, in the university, then you got to give uh, the players a chance with facilities. Uh, and Montana has done a tremendous job of that um, even since then. But um, yeah, they've remodeled uh, the field house for basketball and 
everything else, you know, numerous times. And, and now I think they're going to build an indoor practice facility, um, which was kind of what that all, that whole deal was here uh, a couple of weeks ago. But uh, yeah. people care. People are uh, not afraid to come out and, and show their spirit and their love for the Grizzlies. And uh, it, it's caught fire and taken off. And uh, just uh, it's something that all of us that have been a part of it or are still a part of it can be so proud of just to have a small taste of, uh, of that success. And we'll never forget some of the plays that stick in our mind that uh, we remember that were so good and, and so uh, final and uh, in the whole story. I would tell you, uh, we were going to Chattanooga for the game. And of course, I'm probably the oldest guy around there. And I was singing the Chattanooga Choo Choo, which I heard my parents sing. And my oldest brother, piano player, and he used to play it. <laughs> so I'm singing uh, the Chattanooga Choo Choo around all week long. And it kind of caught on a little bit and with some of the paper, newspaper guys. But we get on the bus at the field house and we're headed out the airport. And here's the train meeting us uh, out on West Main and picks us up at about where the Holiday Inn used to be. But uh, they were blowing the horns and had a big sign on the Chattanooga Choo Choo last stop <laughs> and uh so everybody uh, the spirit was going and uh it all i think pretty much when it's the grizz in it the people in the state that are grizz they all take pride in that so it's you know everywhere you go and anybody you talk to that's there's nothing they, else they could talk about they were just uh, ecstatic over uh the fun season that we had and to be honest with you is to to be a part of something like that is maybe even a hard to be a once in a lifetime deal it's so fabulous, and other coaches have done it, so it isn't necessarily just the coaching, but it's got all got to be there. It's got to be the quality of the players, and the, the administration has got to you know, do their end to help the facilities, which they've done. And uh, now I see it. Uh, Kent is uh, going to build an indoor, which um, they've got to have. I know when we were going down on the playoffs from Montana, uh, this is no kidding. It, it was so cold and icy and, and snowy outside. Um, we took the team over to Zip Beverage, <laughs> moved the trucks out, and had a couple practices that week. So we're practicing in the, in the in Zip Beverage building. So we had no snow, and uh, but it was, again, part of the fun, part of the difference. Uh, uh, to the whole thing, it was, um, again, I, I say it uh, to you, Coulter, magical. Well, Coach, this has been tremendous. Love hearing all the memories. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us. This is Grizz Greats, the 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Champion Grizzlies with head coach Joe Glenn. Coach, true pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Coulter. You're, you're a professional. Thank you so much.